of the Pewter Report Podcast. I'm Mark Cook, along with my boss, Scott Reynolds. That would be me. And John Ledyard, who's Scott's boss. Hello, Mark. Wow, <laughs> big day. I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, I don't have a statement ready. Wow. Um, man, I mean, I have statements about this game ready, uh, unfortunately, but uh, well, well, not you're, about you're, this promotion. Your choice, you can be Scott's <laughs> boss or you can be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this morning. Which are you taking? Scott's boss for sure. After uh, watching the way the coach had set up like Brady to, in that game, I wouldn't want to be him. I would like to be Bruce Arians' boss and chew his ass out and then chew the player's ass out for what was an absolutely horrifically sloppy game played yeah. on Thursday night in Chicago. Just the, the penalties of this team, it's like I'm so sick and tired of writing the same damn story week after week. Bucks beat themselves, most penalized mm-hmm. team in the damn league, but – you know, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for why this plague of, of this team beating itself, which started really in the Raheem Morris area and continued on through Greg Schiano and yeah. Lovey Smith and, and Dirk Cutter. And you would think that, that Bruce Arians would come in and, and change the culture. And I think he's changed the culture to a degree. I, I think that they're capable of winning more games now. And, and thanks to Jason Light's drafting, they actually have more talent than they did in previous years. Mm-hmm. But this team just can't get out of its own way. And yep. and the offensive line, I mean, Donovan Smith, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Um, two false start penalties, and he gave up two sacks. One of those was nullified because of, of, a, of a gift of a penalty for, from Khalil Mack uh, when he body slammed Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Jensen, you know, two penalties. We saw the, the stupid personal foul penalty at the end of an 11-yard gain. And um, there's plenty of blame to go around. I just wanted to start there that I'm just so over this team not living up to its potential and beating itself. This was a game that that the Buccaneers needed to win, should have won, even though they're banged up. I think they're still better than the Bears. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I'll say before I get off my soapbox here is Thursday night football absolutely sucks. It's sloppy. (laughs) It's it's a detriment to the league. It's greedy NFL – uh, owners and NFL commissioners and TV executives that want to create another revenue stream. And I'm all about revenue stream. I'm a capitalist. That's fine. But this is a detrimental thing to the sport because you're telling me that the Buccaneers who who had a, a, a frenzied comeback win on Sunday afternoon in Chicago less than 72 hours were ready to go against the Bears? Absolutely not. I don't care if it's the Bucks and Bears. Uh, the Chiefs and Texans, you put the Packers on Thursday night, it's going to be sloppy football because football is a full contact sport, the most yeah. contact sport of all. And and you need a full week to recover because, as I've had plenty of Buccaneer players tell me over the years, playing in a football game on Sunday is like being in a car wreck. It's literally like mm-hmm. being in a, in a collision <laughs> with another vehicle. And And guess what? There's 16 of those a year. 16 car wrecks a year. And we're asking these players on four days to get ready to get back in the car 
mm-hmm. and, and get into another wreck on Thursday night, it's awful. The Buccaneers still should have won, not using that as an excuse, but I hate Thursday night football because it's it's a sloppy, uh, inferior NFL product. Yeah, there's a lot of things you said that I completely agree with as, as reasons why this game was lost and should not have been lost for sure. But I mean, I th- I just keep going back to coaching. You know, if we're playing this blame game, it's never on one figure when you lose a game, especially like this, that you shouldn't lose. But I just keep going back to coaching in this one. And I keep going back to situational game management. And I know there's some, you know, the, the, the penultimate drive of the game by the Bucks was so unbelievably mismanaged by Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians. I mean, to come out in 13 personnel against a six-man defensive line and expect to be able to be successful running the ball with Cameron Braid and Tanner Hudson, who are not blockers, being asked to block defensive linemen, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it was that just—it was a horrible it, play call. It doesn't make any sense. It's putting players in positions where they can't be successful, which is the opposite of what you need to do as a coach. Then you come out in thirteen personnel again on second and twelve when they know you're passing and you can't execute. You have a two-man route combination, both routes beyond the sticks. Neither route complements each other. There's nowhere for Brady to go with that ball until Rojo check releases. Brady throws it down, but he's getting hit because Ryan Jensen gets beat. Eight men in protection initially with Rojo staying, and they cannot protect. They can't keep Brady clean. He gets hit as he throws. Rojo still should have caught it, in my opinion. Um, I just think that those two plays like that, you have to be able to get positive yardage. You have to be able to get an easy completion. You cannot run no clock there and gain no yards. In fact, lose two yards in that situation. You go by the third and 12, they have to get the first down at that point. Yeah. And the Bears just sit at the sticks. They can't, it doesn't do any good to do anything else in that position. So there's nowhere, there's nothing for Brady to do that entire drive. And that was the drive. They get one first down. You have a successful first down play even, I think your chances of winning that game go way up. So that was one example. We also go to that that fourth and one call down near the goal line, which the Bucks kicked the field goal, went up 19-17 instead of going for it. I know there are some mixed opinions, I think even among us there. My opinion, if we're, if we're all kind of in agreement, coaching was a big part of this blame game. I think in that situation, you go for it. You go for the win. You go to get the ball into the end zone, um, and you try to try to put a, deci- a nail in this one. Uh, because I to agree. me, I, I felt like the Bucks defense, if you're backed up, okay, then they're backed up. And the, and the Bucks defense has to make a stop. You clearly trust your defense sure. to hold them if you're kicking the field goal. So trust them exactly. to be able to keep that field position. And then they have to punt, and you get the ball back with great field position. So I thought that was another coaching error in a night that was really just full of them. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't disagree with kicking the field goal there as much as I disagreed with them going for it on fourth and one from their own twenty yard line. My my point is, if you're going to be aggressive in the first half from your own twenty yard line, why the hell wouldn't you be aggressive to yeah. put the game out of reach in the yeah. fourth quarter? Make right. a decision. Who are you? Are you an aggressive football coach? Are you a risk it or biscuit, or are you a guy that just says, you know what, some days I want the biscuit, some days I'll just take a piece of toast. I mean, make up your mind, Bruce Arians <laughs> and and Byron Leftwich and, and even Tom Brady to a degree. I just, It, it was just mind-boggling, uh, the coaching decisions. The fact that, that they can't keep a kick returner from averaging 40 yards on three returns. The special teams was not good. I don't know what Todd Bowles' scheme oh, going Ryan into this game was. was. Damn good. Brian oh. Suckup was damn Oh, good. now he we're going to mention his name. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. Now we're going to mention his Ryan name. Brian Suckup. That's right. The Bucks right. kicker. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> four of four in field goals and the extra point. Bucks have well, a kicker. It's fun while it lasted. Sorry, Ryan. Wow. Well, he just jinxed it for next week. I know. I did. Now, uh, I, I just, I, I just, 
we talk about a football team having an identity. Uh, I don't know this coaching staff has an identity. They don't know what they want to be. Do they want to be aggressive? Do they want to be be Riverboat Ron Rivera? Do they want to play a conservative and buy the book? It's all over the place. Do they challenge? Do they not challenge? I mean, it's very frustrating to, to watch this football team. I, I'm not sure what Todd Bowles was thinking going into that game. You're facing Nick Foles. The only way Nick Foles beats you is if you allow him to get into a rhythm. He's a streaky quarterback. And what does he do right before the end of the first half? He goes 7 of 7 on that drive, leads him down, gets him a score. Then, of Mm -hmm. course, the awful turnover, and then it's 14-13. But – if you're playing aggressive, if you're playing a lot of press man, if you're if you're getting in the receiver's face, yes, press you risk- man. What's that? Hold yeah. on. What's it was press the, man? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's not what Lovey Smith used to run, and apparently Todd Bowles was doing his Lovey Smith impression last night. I was thinking I that it. actually during the game. Yeah. yeah. Not th- th- Nick Foles isn't going to beat you with a deep ball. I mean, you, they were getting decent pressure on him. The few yeah. times they tried to take some deep shots, he wasn't able to really get a lot on the pass. So uh, just the whole mindset, it, it seemed like once they got up 13-0, they tended to play like, well, we've got the lead. You know, we're banged up. Let's just not lose this football game. And I that's agree. exactly what I they totally did. They let him win. It felt that way. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I th- I th- I just think that yeah, I think you're completely right about that. And I, so if we take this coaching and we take this officiating, and which I know we don't want to belabor officiating, I think everybody knows you know that the, that there were clearly missed calls that hurt the Bucks in this game. But the Bucks also committed a ton of errors. Oh, you know, yeah. they committed a ton yeah. of infractions. I'm, I'm not so, giving the refs the blame yeah. for this one. Yeah, there was a couple of I egregious am. calls and non calls. But no, Tampa Bay committed way too many legitimate penalties by themselves. Eleven penalties for 109 yards, and you, you just you can't win football games consistently in the NFL when you're shooting yourself in the foot. And you know the, the first and 20, the second and 34, all this is just nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, mean, I, I think that it's like mixed bag. And Mark, I know you probably may, may agree with this too, but it's like I think that the officiating definitely should be blamed and if they were better i don't know whether the bucks lose the game or not but i know that because the bucks weren't good enough is why they also lost the game so i think you can blame multiple things in my opinion and still be writhing and still be accurate but at the same time like this is still a winnable game at the end of the day like even with all the officiating errors that happened the bucks still had a path to win this game and they didn't take it and it's mostly due to poor coaching in my opinion A, a, a great football team overcomes the referees and the penalties, and the injuries, yes. and on yes. the road, and the Thursday night, Preach, and they Mark. won this football Preach. game. This is Preach. not a great football team. And I don't know, I think it's a good football team, but it's not mm-hmm. a great football team by any any circumstance. And I thought about this before the game started yesterday. This is the game that the Buccaneers, in years past, hands down lose, right? And I thought to myself, if this is a different Buccaneers football team, if it's actually a different team than what we've seen in the past, they'll find a way to win tonight regardless of the injuries. And they didn't do it. So I don't know that this is a different football team. There's different names on the jerseys. There's new uniforms. There's you know some some different personnel uh, maybe on the staff. But the bottom line is, is, is this is the same football team we've seen time and time again. And Scott, you mentioned earlier about penalties, you know, why they continue to beat themselves over and over and over, why this is pattern. It's because the players aren't good enough. The players, it, 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 you keep banging your head up against a wall with Donovan Smith. He's not yeah. good enough. He's, he's not, not going to ever be a guy who's not going to have those lapses and those type of penalties. He's just yeah. not. Ryan Jensen is always going to be that hothead that every few games is going to get a 15-yard penalty. Well, he's um, a ginger. You know that, Mark. I don't you're, know what you're, you're talking talk- about. 
you're part of, of the ginger uh, clan. But you're yeah, never going to have 22 guys that are, you know, you're always going to have, you yeah, know. I, I understand. Yeah. I understand that, John, but you don't understand. We have seen the same guys make errors over and over, and That's this true. football team has failed to they, – they keep thinking it's going to get better. Uh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Uh, it doesn't get better on its own. They've got to make it better. And I think well, they will. I think Donovan Smith will be gone this year after this year. Yeah, uh, he will. They, but, they can't afford to keep him at $14.25 million next year. And, and not Tristan with that performance. The left tackle. Yeah, He's agreed. leading the NFL in penalties right now. Yeah. Literally did, leading. The, he has more penalties in five games than he had all of last year. Did you see the look that Tom Brady, who was on the ground, gave Donovan Smith when they were down in the red zone, and it was all of a sudden, what, second and, and 17 yep. after that? They were going to go play action. Right. Brady was going to take a shot. And, and that, that might have been the difference in the game. That play right there, there's a lot of plays, Huge. John. You covered yep. them in the game changer. But that play right there yep. might have been, because we don't know who was open on that particular mm -hmm. play, and if, if Brady could have found him with a strike in, in the end zone. But he had no that chance play, on the play. Yeah. That play was dead from the start. Uh, you know, Smith got beat, and the look that Tom Brady gave uh, Donovan Smith was, "Are you effing kidding me? Mm -hmm. Like it, seriously? Yeah, you, know? you have a chance as a quarterback if if guys are getting beat slowly. Like you should have a chance to find your hots, get rid of the ball. You know, yeah. make. But I mean, a play like that, you have no chance at any. I mean, there's and there was too much of that from the offensive line. I thought. Yeah. You know, for sections of the game, I honestly think the offensive line, considering that they played a really good defensive line and a deep defensive line, for sections of the game, the run game, I thought even in pass protection, especially the first half, I thought the offensive line was great. But the couple drives, especially the penalty-laden one, was about as bad as you can get. It was like it was like the whole group as a whole yeah. was like Donovan Smith's career, like in a nutshell during right. that game. And speaking like, it was of like, Donovan Smith, good you know stuff what? and then fall apart. Speaking of Donovan Smith, I think it was like second and 34 or third and 27, whatever the hell it was on that drive. And Khalil Mack actually was going to bail out the Buccaneers with, with that late hit on Tom Brady, the personal mm. foul. But Donovan Smith had a holding call on the play. Yeah. So they, they, they couldn't even get the benefit of that. I was going to say, John, the Angels are – are, are are on your side today, man. They're they're the, listening to you. You, the get, you, get the <laughs> you get the heavenly the gates are are opening up over there at your house. Or Listen, I, Reaper. It, I, you never know. Uh, and but I, I I do say this about this game. You know that I think we mentioned all these different things that kind of go go against the box and that are negatives for the box. And we don't really mention Brady too much yet. He's the quarterback. It's going. I to will be mention a topic. Brady. Oh, it's I going will to be too. a topic of discussion. What level of criticism, or do we think he's deserved of criticism in this game, based on compared to the other aspects of the failure by the box? I would say a good deal of criticism, and here's why: the Buccaneers signed Tom Brady for fourth quarters like this, the comeback kid. They they needed a quarterback that would go down the field and lead them to the game-winning field goal, not throw a pick six or not throw an interception to end the game, and that didn't happen. But what did happen was was Brady was two of five for sixteen yards on the final two drives. I'll say that again: two of five for sixteen yards on the final two drives for the Buccaneers. And you know he admitted it after the game. I asked him uh, about about you know the the fourth down situation and all of that. And there was some possible confusion. Maybe Brady didn't know it was the fourth down, whatever. But the ultimate thing is, is, is he should have thrown for the sticks and got the first down. Uh, there was still plenty of time. All you needed was six yards. It was fourth and six. They needed six yards. 
get the first down, run up, spike the ball, 38 seconds left on the clock. And guess what? You're at the Bears 49. You need about 15, 20 yards, and all of a sudden you're in range. But for Tom Brady to take a risky shot down the field to Cam Brate when you needed six yards, uh, it was it was a, a, a bad decision. And we just didn't see a lot of good throws from Tom Brady in the fourth quarter, especially you know on, on those final two drives. And the numbers are what they are. He but was, that second he to last drive, he didn't have a chance. I mean, there was there's nobody open at any point in that drive. I mean, so I, I put that completely on play calling. I'll give you this, and this is why I don't think Tom Brady does like to me, he's a footnote in this whole conversation. Like, I have no like Tom Brady by and large played well enough, I thought, to win this game. And ultimately the rest of his team and the coaching did not. I'm not saying Tom Brady was amazing tonight, but like think back to the beginning of the game. Tanner Hudson's open. It's probably a touchdown, except he gets hit as he throws. And it's not a it's not a good enough play. Think about when he takes him down in the red zone, or d- think about when he takes him down the field and, and Tanner Hudson drops the third down pass when they're about to enter the red zone. Like it's not on Brady in that situation. He takes him down the field into the red zone and Donovan Smith gives up a sack where Brady doesn't even have time to turn around and survey the field before he's going down. Again, this is he put them in positions consistently, I thought, to win the game. And then I will give you this. I thought in the last drive of the game, Tom Brady was not good enough. I thought there, yeah. there, there was there was no doubt about that necessarily. I don't necessarily I get the throw to Cameron Brate because in that situation you have no timeouts. There's 36 seconds left, I believe, on that no, when that play starts. Absolutely not. Terrible. And, and that was had, the worst decision in the two in the, you in the last no, two drives. If you, if you that throw to Keyshawn Vaughn in that situation, Roquan Smith's right there to make the tackle in the open field. Even if you pick up the first down, he's gonna have to fight through that tackle to do that. You're at your own 46-yard line, maybe. And you need and 15 yards running. with 20 seconds. You need 15. You Look, a lot Tom of, Brady, a lot of Tom Brady has done eight. this a million times. Tom Brady has done this. What, what did they show the stats? Like 64 game-winning drives or some obscene amount of money uh, of, of fourth-quarter comeback wins. I don't know what it is. Look, there was plenty of time. I went back and watched it uh, last night after we were done with all of our work. He absolutely had plenty of time. Like you said, with 38 seconds, you've got to get the first down first and foremost. Cam Brate was draped in coverage. That ball could have been easily picked off. It was a desperation throw because Tom Brady thought it was fourth down. I mean, thought it was third down. He, I mean, he, he, he thought he was going to get another shot there. He yeah. hoped maybe he would get a pass interference call, something like that. But there is no question in my mind that Tom Brady thought they had another down. I watched it again. He's staring at the referee with a puzzled look in his face, holding up four fingers. The way well, I agree that, with that. The I way that he danced matter. around it, the way he danced around it. What about the two throws before that, John? What about the throw that was nowhere near Mike Evans on the near sideline on first down? He, the, ver- the very first pass was a first yeah. down to Mike Evans. Got him up around the 40-yard right. line, 45. The next one was not even close to Mike Evans. The second I one agree. was a poor throw to Rob Gronkowski behind him and up over his head. That ball could have been picked off. And, and, and... Or, or actually, the second down one was the one to the running back. Then He's the third gone, down yeah. one was the poor throw to to Gronkowski, and then the last one was just a terrible decision to go for a twenty yard chunk right there when you need five yards. How come other teams can run five, six, seven, ten yard outs, get out of bounds, and stop the clock on this football team, but this team acts like those plays are not even in their playbook? I don't well, get it. One of, the, one of the big issues is the route combinations are just too long developing in those situations yeah. for the Bucs, and that that that's like another coaching criticism. I agree with right. you on the throw to Evans, and I agree with you on the throw to Gronk. I Again, I said I don't think Brady deserved blame for this game whatsoever in terms of 
how it unfolded until that last drive. If you want to criticize those couple throws, I get that. And I, yeah, but and that's I why he's that. here. That's why yeah, he's right. here. Scott said right. it. That's why he's here. So he deserves the criticism. He right. deserves right. it. Absolutely. Time, he played well enough for them to win this game. And so you can say that's why Brady's here and fair, <clears> but what about everybody else and their jobs and their responsibilities that continually let him down throughout this game? No, I agree. By far and drops. I, I agree. I, I don't, I didn't like the play calling in the fourth quarter. I didn't like their out combinations that, that, that really stymied the Bucks' opportunities for getting like the needed six yards. Right. Yeah. Um, and also too, listen, Brady, those final two drives after getting hit eight times and sacked three times, he was nervous in the pocket. All right. Mm -hmm. Brady usually had a clean pocket up in new England in the times where, where he wasn't, he got rid of the ball quickly. The problem is in Bruce Arians offense, and John, it speaks to your point, with the route combinations, there's so many intermediate and deep routes in this offense that there really isn't many check down, quick throws where Brady can, you know, can can deal with the, the pressure in that. In the first half they had set. him, what happened in the first half? Well, and, and, the, and the, the, the Bears had the, the Bears had no problem converting with <laughs> slipping their running backs <laughs> out of the backfield. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was frustrating. I mean, I just think that I think you're right, Scott. Like, it's like sometimes they get away from stuff that can just keep drives on target. You know what I mean? Like, we yeah. talk about how this team's always in third and long. They're always in third and long, and that's just a horrible situation for a quarterback to be sure. in because it makes it so easy for a defense don't, and don't, flip and rush. And, and, and you know what? And, and the predictability is is just maddening sometimes with Leftwich, right? Like, like obviously the Buccaneers are going to run the ball, right, when they're backed up by their own mm -hmm. uh, goal line, and, and they've, they've got the lead. And they just need to kill some some time, make the Bears burn their timeouts before the two-minute warning. Um, but to come out, like you said, in 13 personnel, the most obvious run uh, grouping the Buccaneers have in terms of, of looks, mm -hmm. with two tight ends that cannot run block, yeah. Cameron Brait and Tanner Hudson, effectively and consistently. And run out of that, I would much rather have seen the Bucs come out in four wide with, with Rojo in the backfield and run a draw or some type of quick-hitting handoff and, and let him operate in space rather than trying to box everything in with a three-tight end look with only an aging Gronk as the good blocking tight end. Mm -hmm. It's just so predictable. It, it allowed the Bears to get into a run-stuffing front and just nullify the play before he even had a chance to start. It was a minus two-yard loss. So yeah. I, I, if you want to run the ball, fine. I'm all for it. But But by God, Byron, it's like, don't be so damn predictable. It's it's just right. maddening. It's yeah. bad football. It's bad coaching. And right. you know what? Props to Bruce Arians for saying uh, what, yeah. what was the God's to honest truth. They got outcoached and outplayed in this game. And it's mm -hmm. a damn shame because this is an NFC loss. The Bears still aren't that good of a team. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to playoff time, and thankfully for the Buccaneers, there's an extra a wild card team in, in the playoff mix this year because maybe they'll have to latch on to that one. This is a loss. This is the kind of loss marking we've seen it time and time again that comes back to bite the Buccaneers uh, in the ass later in the season, where it's one of those woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, games that's, that's, that that that's ends what, up that ends up costing the Buccaneers a home playoff game or a yep. playoff game altogether. 
Yep, that's what I said on 620 today. When when the end of the season comes around, look, the Buccaneers weren't going to win 15 games this year, right? We knew that. Right. There was going right. to be a few of these slip-ups. Every team has them. That's okay. But the problem is, is the teams that you should be, that you're better than, those are the ones that will make you sick to your stomach at the end of the year if you miss the playoffs by one game or you lose on a tiebreaker to the Packers like they did in 2010. I mean, these are the things that will drive you absolutely crazy. The thing is that I was smart enough to do is I was like, I'm not, I'm not betting on this football team. No way. I know a lot of people were. I know a lot of people were. I was like, not this wounded football team. No chance I was going to bet on them. Wonder if uh, any of you guys thought about maybe placing any bets. Yeah, you know, actually I did. And uh, I'm not really took the Bears. Good idea. Good. No, I did not. I took the Buccaneers and actually went large on multiple bets on my bookie. Uh, But well, yeah, I did. But I'm, I'm not I swear I'm not putting uh, that type of, of uh, that's not influencing my coverage. My, the fact that I lost right. $25 last night in no way, shape, or form is 25? influencing. That's it. Yeah. F- I put five different $5 bets in the Buccaneers. You know me. I'm a $5 bet guy. Are you going to be able to make your mortgage payment this month? Uh, thankfully, I am because I only lost $25 last oh, okay. night. Um, so, th- yeah, that's, uh. that's the thing. But listen, folks, between the NFL, college football, major league playoffs, um, Major League Baseball playoffs, I should say. There's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available in all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game into your payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays mean meaningless, make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. That's what I like to do. I like to bet the money line a lot, and I'm hammering a lot of the of the underdogs on Saturday in college football. The thing about the NFL and underdogs, though, is they're rarely dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets, it's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use promo code PEWTER to claim your deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code pewter to claim your bonus. When you make your initial deposit stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets for Biden and Trump, all the major sports and more sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie. I actually won $5 that a fly would land on Mike Pence's head during the VP debate the other night. So uh, that turned that $5 into $2 million. <laughs> So I'm really pleased right now. Just kidding. I, I bet you are. I thought of that. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't my... think – I didn't see the prop bet for that one. But no, that that one would have that one would have paid a, a lot of money <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah. because it's just so outrageous. Um, anyway, look, uh, you know who you – know um, hang on. Hang on, I'm going to move my phone because it's very distracting. Um, I talked about it a little bit, but Todd Bowles, you know, I, his lack of adjustments, his game plan going into this game was frustrating. I will say this, to, to maybe give him a bit of a pass, there was one play in the second half on third down when Sean Murphy Bunting just totally blew the coverage. And we saw during a timeout 
Todd Bowles talking to him over there. So I have a feeling that, that was totally on Sean Murphy Bunting, not the play call per se, because I was screaming, why, where is Sean Murphy Bunting going? Why is he not covering that guy? And, uh, and there was a little bit of confusion there. So we can, bl- we, we blame the coaches a lot of times for their game plans, but sometimes it's the players, just poor execution of the game plan, just total sure. brain meltdowns and things as well. And that may have been a case there, but still, as I said, you don't let Nick Foles get into a rhythm. He's a streaky quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the way to do that is to stay aggressive, uh, put pressure on him, and don't give him time to throw. And don't give him those damn easy underneath throws. Lovey Smith 2.0 last night in Chicago. Well, but here's the thing. You mentioned adjustments, and I thought the Buccaneers made a ton of second-half adjustments, right? I mean, they didn't have any sacks or any quarterback hits in the first half. They finished the game. And if you looked at this, if you looked at just the stat sheet and said, you know, the Bucks had three sacks and seven hits on the quarterback, and the Bears had three sacks and eight hits on the quarterback. You know, that's that's not bad. The problem for the Buccaneers, though, is all of that pressure, just like the Bears pressure, came in the second half. Mm-hmm. And by by the time Todd Bowles made those adjustments, the Bears already had 14 points on the board and had a 14-13 lead. So even though they did a pretty reasonable job in the second half of, of denying the, the Bears points and keeping them out of the end zone, it didn't matter. Because they needed that yeah. pressure. They needed those sacks in the first half. And the one thing I will say is, is listen, I, I, I'm a believer in analytics. And I'm a believer in statistics. Um, but it, the whole like notion and narrative of uh, it's better to have pressures than sacks, I think that's a complete BS argument when it comes to analytics. And I'll tell you why. Because if Shaq Barrett had sacked Nick Foles rather than pressured him then he wouldn't have had the the roughing the passer call because it would have actually been a sack and pressures rarely get teams off the field on third down at least not like sacks do if you sack the quarterback on third down um, unless it's the last drive of the game chances are that sack means a punt on fourth down a pressure can very well mean a quarterback kick can very well mean that that the the quarterback still completes the pass so Hmm. Shaq Barrett didn't have any sacks last night. He had a couple quarterback hits, and you know one of them I, I thought was was it was a, a bad call by the reps. I didn't think it was roughing the passer. But Terrible. the thing is, is if you get to the quarterback and get the sack, you won't have the roughing the passer penalty in that situation. So I, I, I was I was just befuddled as to why Todd Bowles didn't bring more pressure, and why to your point, Mark. The players that when he did bring pressure didn't execute and didn't get to bowls. It just didn't seem like there was that sense of urgency on those rushes in the first half. The execution was bad, and I thought bowls should have dialed up more pressure to keep Nick Foles out of rhythm like he was in the first quarter. And, and, and Shaq Barrett had numerous one-on-one opportunities. John like is going to go back and look at the All-22. Um, I, I, I watched the game again at some capacity myself, but John really breaks it down. But I think, John, that you'll see that he had, you know, yeah. The, the the Bears were not worried about Shaq Barrett last night. I mean, they just no. weren't. And he and and for good reason. He's just not winning those one-on-ones. And I don't know if it's because he's pressing. I I think a pass rusher can overthink sometimes as well, just like any other football skill position player. Um there's pressure, I got to do this, I got to do this move or I got to get just go get the quarterback. Just play yeah. football. Well, Warren Sapp you know was what? not a tactician you know, before each play, Warren Sapp was just a badass that happened to be very good, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, you can't overthink things. You just got to go get the quarterback. And Shaq Barrett has not done that this year. 
Well, here's one second half adjustment that was made, and I'd like to see more of it, to be honest with you. Like, I, I you know, I get that Shaq Barrett's more comfortable on the left side and JPP is more comfortable on the right. But go back to last year, and JPP had um, most of his sacks <clears throat> from the left side, right. and Shaq Barrett had most of his, I think it was 13 out of 19 and a half on the right side. And so where did JPP get his sack in the second half after they switched sides? From the left side. It was a sack mm -hmm. fumble. Where did Shaq Barrett get his pressures from? The right side going against Charles Leno Jr. And I'd like to see more of that. And, and I, I don't care about comfortability. I want productivity. And I want to go back to last year when Shaq Barrett was getting, you know, one, two, three sacks a game from the right side, going one-on-one -on -one against tackles with his speed, whereas now he's going against right tackles and he's facing a lot more tight ends on that side. I'd rather see JPP who is bigger and a little bit more flexible and bendy, being able to whip those right tackles. And I want to see the speed and the moves from Shaq on the right side more often. I think that's an adjustment that Todd Bowles needs to make and say, guys, I don't care where you're comfortable. I'm going to put you where I think you guys can win. That's coaching. Another, yeah, another adjustment he needs to make is literally to just never drop these guys into coverage again. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't get it. Like, they're both horrible in coverage. Sure. They've dropped yeah. – they're at a top 10 in the league. I think it's actually top seven or eight. I, you know, we need we it was coming into this game and then they drop and they dropped them during this game, but they were both dropping about 25, 24. I think it was 25 and 26 snaps on the season between the each of them had had. And so I don't get it for multiple reasons. Number one, because you're paying them to pass rush. And it's the same thing. Steelers went through this for a long time, and I saw for years and I was critical of it. Now they hardly ever drop their edges, and Watt and Dupree are both beasts. But I think that it throws off pass rushers' rhythm. You're dropping them usually in obvious pass situations. You're trying. I know you're trying to generate some type of a blitz, but it just they can't cover. Like Neither of them are that type of an athlete in space. Shaq Barrett right. is asked to drop on the biggest play of the game and pick up David Montgomery – and that just he's not going to do it like it's just yeah. not going to happen it's and it's yeah. it's a completion and it's and it, that was basically the end of the game at that point you know i mean it, it, unless the the bears mismanaged the clock which they did uh, but that's for chicago people to talk about but i mean yeah i just thought shaq barrett in that situation dropping into coverage was just egregious by todd bulls i thought that how often they played totally off receivers with no adjustment i mean nick Foles. Tries to throw downfield to Darnell Mooney. Can't hit the pass. I mean, he, he tries to throw deep to Allen Robinson. It's way underthrown. Carlton Davis picks it off. They When they made it difficult for him, when they made him hit high-degree difficulty throws or longer developing routes, the pass rush got there or he couldn't complete the pass. When they gave him this easy underneath stuff, that th what happened was the Bears were able to march it down the field, get in position for enough field goals, and then eventually a couple touchdowns yeah. too even. I know the short drive helped on, on one of them, but – to, to be able to stay in this game and win this game. When you couple that with the offensive failures, it's just an inexcusable lack of adjustment to me. When they, when they went up and pressed the receivers, they were successful. Look at Jamel Dean at yeah. the end of the game. He broke up like four passes in the second half because he was being physical and, 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 and he was more aggressive jumping routes too, and that's something that they needed to be at. The Bears are going to are gonna throw that short all day, like dare him to hit one deep on you like and, and jump those routes and create a turnover and – I thought they played. They did play it better. I thought in the last two drives for the Bears, and the Bears barely moved the ball except right. for that play that Jack Barrett dropped into coverage. That they, they couldn't complete passes to receivers on their last two drives. The Bears could not, and it was a huge adjustment by the Bucks that was good. But then dropping Barrett killed them, and it was just so short a distance for the Bears to go to get into field goal range sure. at the end that it was too little, too late. The adjustments should have come sooner. They didn't, and I think it's a huge reason why the Bucks lost the game. And John, let, let's not forget uh, when you're mentioning Foles not hitting deep passes. 
uh, his pass to Allen Robinson down the left sideline was so woefully underthrown yeah. that Carlton Davis got a PI on that penalty just yeah. because he was playing the man, right, mm-hmm. and expecting the ball to be there, and the ball was like literally five yards behind him. So right. I, I'm in total agreement with you. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you who I'm in total agreement with, fellas. Briar Greaves Insurance Agency. You know why? Because they insure my property. Personally, Briar Greaves takes care of the Cook Estate. Cook Farms is insured by Briar Greaves. And you know what? It's not technically a farm. Well, for tax purposes, it's a farm. Um, <laughs> hopefully no one's listening, county tax collectors. You know, you just have to you just have to grow a few things, you know, have a couple cow droppings and it's a farm. So uh didn't tell you what I'm farming, but anyway, bottom line is Briar Greaves is our personal insurance agency for the Cook family. And and what I love about them, guys, in all seriousness, is they're real Buccaneer fans and uh and they're just good people. I mean, Briar Greaves calls his clients just from time to time to say, hello, how you doing? Is there anything we can do for you? I mean, that's personalized service you don't get from the big box insurance companies. They've been around for over 30 years, three generations. And what I like also is they sell personal and commercial insurance. It's not just for your personal stuff. If you have a business, they can take care of that as well. Home, auto, boat, life, flood, commercial. Scott's going to be buying a boat pretty soon. John's going to be buying some Princess Diana dresses pretty soon. Both of you guys need to call Briar Greaves and get them to insure um, insure your property. They've got a lot of homeowner companies that are canceling and non-renewing policies or leaving Florida or increases increasing premiums significantly right now. So give them a call. Let them review who you have and let them search their lines of companies out there that maybe can replace those that keep raising your rates. Briar Greaves Insurance, you can reach them at... 813-876-4168, You can also go to briargreavesinsurance.com. That's B-R-I-E-R, Greaves, G-R-I-E-V-E-S. No one's writing this down, so I don't know why I'm saying it. Just Google it. Google will find it, I promise. Briargreavesinsurance.com. All right, guys, it's time to give out some game balls. Is this going to be a new segment we're going to do on the podcast? Oh, yeah, you know it. Post-game, talking game balls. One offense, one defense, unless somebody is feeling particularly dangerous and wants to change it up a little bit. I'm going to be that Uh, guy, John. I'm going to be that guy. I'll start off. I'm going to start off with Ryan Suckup. Yeah, I said his name, and I'm going to say it again. Yeah. He's going to miss some kicks against the Packers, isn't he, like in the south end zone? I'm really screwing this up. Game ball, Scott. (sighs) Too much attention. But listen. You know, he made four field goals, all four. And it's become a point where I'm not even like crossing fingers or sweating kicks anymore. Um, And he made the extra point. He's, I don't know what his percentage is. I'm not, I think he's not, I'm not as prepared looking that up. Yeah. But I mean, he's, he's had one miss, two blocks, like you said. And he's just been the steadiest kicker that I can remember. Since Cairo Santos. Since Cairo Santos, yes. Sorry, yes. I had to bring it up. Great point. <laughs> uh, I'm also going to give a game ball to Rojo. Um, I'm a defensive-minded guy, and I just thought that Todd Bowles' game plan was like, yuck. And I thought the execution, by and large, by the Bucks' defense was yuck. Not so it. I'm going to go offense, uh, which pains me because I'm a defensive-minded guy. But I'm going to give it to Rojo because 
uh, he is making me a believer. He is. This is not a, a fluke. I think he's turned a corner. I love how how confident he's running the ball. Uh, he's running with aggression. 17 carries, 106 yards, averaged 6.2 yards per carry. Uh, had a couple of runs over 20 yards, including a 37-yarder. Um, he's making guys miss. Uh, we're seeing some spin moves. We're seeing some jukes. We're seeing some broken yeah. tackles. Oh, we're, we're seeing moves we have not seen from Rojo before. And maybe this guy's just a late bloomer in his third year. Um, but I, I was too quick to say that Leonard Fournette is is uh, is going to be RB1. And maybe he ends up becoming RB1. But I'll tell you what. Leonard Fournette is here in Tampa to do one of two things. Push Ronald Jones to greatness or push him to the bench. And I think right now, Ronald Jones is being pushed to greatness because he's taking advantage of these opportunities for more carries to be the guy. And John and Mark, he's being the guy. Yeah. I mean, that was an unbelievable Ronald Jones performance as a rusher. I mean, even as a receiver, you know, he makes that great catch near the yeah. goal line. I mean, that was a low throw. Brady put it the only place you could possibly put that yeah. ball with that linebacker over the top. And yeah, I know he bobbled it, and, but he, he caught it. It was not yeah. an easy catch. And he caught it and he should have, I mean, he would have scored if the officials hadn't blown the play dead. And so that, that was a great play by him. And I know maybe kind of blunders the one late. It wasn't a perfect pass because Brady's getting hit as he throws too, but it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Two yard yeah. gain uh, would have maybe burned a timeout, but the Bears didn't end up using those anyway. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, I thought that as a runner, man, unbelievable performance. You know, to me, clearly he would get the game ball, but I'm going to try and be just a little bit different, even though I know we don't have to do that. But, I'm gonna go with Tyler Johnson uh, because Damn it, I thought. Oh my guy! Sorry, I'm sorry, but I yeah, just I'm thought have he to be was really good. different. He was great in the first half, and then in the second half, I know they fell in love with the 13 personnel and, and didn't want him on the field for some reason. But I thought he did a great job uh, in the first half. I thought he, he caught what was thrown to him, what was catchable. He made plays after the catch and broke like two or three tackles on that one long play where he brought it down inside the red zone, inside the 10 yard line, I think, and so. Um, I just thought he was great all night. I mean, the, the play where he came back on the sideline to catch the ball from Brady with the corner all over, yeah. him, it's kind of a tough spot. Nobody's open, and Brady just trusted him and, and threw it to where he could get it, and Tyle Johnson went and kind of got it and battled for that ball. That almost got the first down. Then they end up going for it on the fourth and short. You know, I thought that was just a great effort and awareness, and then for him to be able to try and reach and make that play after the catch, I just think there's a lot of potential with this kid. I mean, it's hard for the Bucks because when they're healthy – Evans, Godwin, Scotty, they've all played great. You know, I mean, you don't not take any of these guys off the field, but to have a fourth yeah. guy, and I think he's going to be the fourth guy here soon, like Tyler Johnson. I mean, that that be, was not normal wide receiver plays that we saw he last night. Like that was Chris really Godwin. good stuff. Right. Like, just from a body type and yeah. move standpoint, he resembled a young rookie, Chris Godwin. Four catches, 61 yards, John, for Tyler Johnson, 15.3 mm -hmm. uh, yard average, including that 35 yarder. Well, that's yeah. good because because he'll replace uh, Chris Godwin next year when the Buccaneers don't resign. Okay, okay. Because they can't chill, afford chill. to have two twenty million dollars receivers. Chill, Seriously, chill, chill, it's chill. something to think about. This team, I mean, the, I know we're, we we got to get through the season, but you know, there's some questions that this team's going to have to answer salary cap wise. We talked about Shaq Barrett, who's underperforming. I think they're going to Chris Godwin hasn't played 14. this year. They're going to free up fourteen point yeah. two five million dollars along the yep. offensive line next year, Mark. So. Say, say, I think that's going to happen. Maybe twenty four if they get rid of Jensen too. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so we'll let me uh, let me give you. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I say Go my on. defensive guy real quick. I got my yeah. my defensive guy's Vita Vey. I'll just say it really quickly. Yeah. I know he's probably after the year now, and it's it's man. OJ Howard goes out for the year after he has Prayers a great up, game. Vita. And Vita Vea probably goes out for the year after he has a great game, and he's not a really replaceable guy. I mean, he was he's just been great this season. I mean, I think he's been one of the most consistent players on the team. 
He's dominant against the run. He's effective enough against the pass where you can have him on the field, um, despite even the fact that he gets doubled a decent amount. You know, he's just he's a physical beast. I think he's the number one reason why nobody can run on the Bucs. Nobody can run on the Bucs. Uh, and I think it's because he's a monster. And so big shoes for Nunes Roches to fill and for Khalil Davis to fill if that ends up being the way this goes, because I thought he was just an absolute monster last night. And John, to your point, 35 yards uh, held. Uh, I should say the Bucks defense held the Bears to 35 yards rushing last night. David mm-hmm. Montgomery, outside of that that touchdown and one little nine-yard run, was really a non-factor in the run game. Yeah. And uh, Vita Bea with two sacks this year, too. Um, this is a guy that had, I think, three and a half his rookie season. It, that's his season or has his career high. I think he was well on his way to getting five, six, seven. Yeah. And his pressure has been great. I mean, pressure yeah. rates have been great too. So yeah. Big loss. I agree. Yeah. Mark. Why, why run when you can throw the ball? I, I mean, why run when you have Nick Foles at quarterback and, you know, a plethora of talent at wide receiver? I mean, you know, I wouldn't run the ball either. Um, Bears are just awful running the football. And uh, Nick Foles is awful too. And I'm still mad that they lost that football game. All right. Uh, my game ball. Um, can I give out an under underinflated game ball? Yes, you can too, because Tom too, Brady's too on the soon. Buccaneers. Yes. Yeah, too too soon. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to give out. Tom allows under, that. Uh, we're going to give out underinflated game balls offensively. Um, it's hard to argue with the two that you guys chose, but I'm going to go a little different, and I'm going to say Ali Marpet only because he's the only offensive lineman <laughs> who I did not hear his name called for anything <laughs> stupid last night. Right. That's true. Didn't give Good up choice. a sack. No pressures. I, I forgot he was on the football team, and that's a great mm-hmm. thing when you're an offensive lineman. Defensively, um, you know, Jamel Dean gave up that touchdown earlier in the game. Um, you know, not great technique. I think he could have used the boundary in the corner of the end zone a little bit more to his advantage and, and just kind of mistimed. I mean, it was a, it was a bad, here's the thing it was a terrible throw by Nick Foles. If that's a good throw, an accurate throw, Jamel Dean probably picks it off, but it was really thrown so poorly that only Jimmy Graham could catch it. But other than that, I mean, they've <laughs> that was got like a good throw. Yeah, th- yeah. Other than that, it was a great throw. They've got to, uh, you know, they got to find ways to, uh, to to feature Jamel Dean more in the secondary. The guy uh, came in late last season, the last half of the year, was second on the team in pass breakups, or maybe he was first. I know he and Carlton were kind of one first, and two. Yeah, he's and, the and, in the league. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. He was he was second or third in the entire NFL and only played half the snaps of the other guys. And then last night he comes in, he has four pass breakups in the fourth quarter alone. So um, Jamel Dean is my underinflated game ball winner for the defensive side. And I want to give one out for special teams, and it's not for Cyan Ruckup. I'm not going to say his name. Scott can, but I'm not going to. Uh Kevin Minter, and I say that just because I love Kevin Minter so much. He looks like a little short man on the field, and he was getting into scraps. I don't know if you guys noticed this. He yeah. was talking trash to the Bears in the sideline, which I like because he doesn't get many chances to, to crack heads and because teams don't normally return the ball out of the end zone like Patterson did last night for the Bears. So he was able to knock some heads, and uh, he's going to get kind of a, a small – one of those mini footballs, you know, game balls. Yeah. Not not the full-size one, but yeah, a mini you know, one. I- also, um, I, I'm not going to give him a game ball, but I'm going to give him like a gold star sticker for his fridge. I'm going to just mention Will Golston because yeah. he was yeah, my unsung play. hero mm-hmm. of the of the uh, the Peter Report roundtable on PeterReport.com this week, and he comes through with with another sack. This guy is is the the latest bloomer, uh, <laughs> latest <laughs> bloomer kidding. when it comes to to being a, a pass rusher. But but you can't deny his effectiveness. 
He had mm-hmm. three quarterback hits last night when Shaq and JPP only had one apiece. And he had one sack. And that, that means he has two sacks on the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, Or does he have three now? I think two. I'm going to look that up real quick. Did he have but, one last week? Because he had one against New Orleans. He, uh, he's got no, two. Yeah. No, no. No, he had he's one got against two Carolina. On okay. Yeah, he brought so he's down. got two on the season. Okay. So, but, but listen, this is a guy that has been stuck at one sack for the last three years in a row. And before that, he had zero sacks. Uh, he, he's capable of getting to the quarterback. Back in his youth, um, you know, he actually had three sacks. Uh, in 2016 and in three sacks in 2015. But here he is with two sacks on the season already. And I think he's going to eclipse his career high. Now he may only end up huge with Huge opportunity. Huge he opportunity because he's about yes. to play a ton of snaps. He is. He is. And I think I think you're going to see some of him at at, uh, at nose tackle too. I think we're going to see Khalil Davis, the sixth round draft pick who's been inactive. I think he's going to be playing. Uh, a lot, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks re-signed Kyle Love, who they had in at nose tackle during training camp, to yeah. to f- to fill in for the roster spot for Vita Vea. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say I can't believe any of you guys haven't uh, noticed my uh, sign that I put up last podcast: the uh, Barrett Rude autographed Pewter Report cover. You guys like that? That's badass. Oh, yeah. that is. Actually, yeah. I just had to cover up the electrical panel thing uh, last yeah. show, so I just threw that up well, there real quick. It's the only Barrett thing I Rude, had related. Barrett Rude leads the, the franchise in downfield tackles. That's absolutely. Tackles, for, tackles from beyond 10 yards. That's absolutely. That's yeah. his career. Yeah, I remember in Mobile a few years ago, Scott, when we ran into him. I forgot he was coaching at Nebraska or something like that. And yeah. we saw him like the first night. We're like, oh, hey, Barrett. And we talked and talked. And like, yeah. um, good guy. The next, I love Barrett. The, yeah. But the next couple nights, he saw us and we were trying to avoid him. And of course, he chased us down about five or 10 yards from where he saw us. And uh, we had a good laugh about that. He was definitely good at chasing people yeah. down from behind. Um, all right. Uh, I had one other uh, point I was going to make. What were we just talking about before I started talking about Barry? Game Rude, balls. Which had nothing to do with it. Yeah. All Will right. Golston. Oh, Willie Golston. Quick story about Will Golston. I remember a few years ago, and I may have told Scott this. John, you weren't around when Will told me this. But uh, one of the reasons why he's such a late bloomer is is I was talking to Will after training camp uh, a few years ago, and and he said, you know. I don't do good on the chalkboard in meetings. I learn by actually doing it on the field. And so it's not surprising that in his second year in Todd Bowles' system, he's kind of figuring it out because he has to do it that way. You know, and I applaud the guy for admitting, you know, some guys are better, you know, uh, seeing it in person and doing it as yeah. opposed to and the other guys are brilliant on the whiteboard, which means nothing right. once the once the game starts. You got to be a badass on the football field. And I'll give Will Golson that he's a badass on the football field. And I, he was a I, guest. I he was a guest on on what's cooking last year, where that people was a can damn go good episode too. And, and people can go to our Pewter Report channel. And subscribe. We need subscribers. We are jumping. I appreciate everybody that's done it so far, but we want you to go to Pewter Report TV. You could do a simple Google search and find our account and subscribe on YouTube, and you can find these podcasts. Uh, They're all archived. There's some old draft shows. If you want to see my face when the Buccaneers drafted uh, Matt Gay a couple years ago, that's actually on video somewhere. Um, um, uh, my face when they decided to draft Vita Vea over Duran James, Dalvin Cook, OJ Howard, all this, all that stuff is there for you guys to see. Uh, but also 
the What's Cooking shows, but more importantly, these new podcasts that we're doing that are going to be live on video. So let people know, uh, spread the word, share it on Twitter, share it on your social media, help us get our subscriber base up, and we would certainly appreciate it. Again, Google Pewter Report TV, Pewter Report YouTube channel, whatever it is, and you'll find it. I promise you that's how I actually find it. I have to Google it myself because I'm too dumb to bookmark it. Anyway, all right, what else? Big picture impact of this game. Do we think it has a devastating effect on the Bucs? Are we more worried about the long season outlook? Real quickly, we'll just go around. Scott, what do you um, think? I predicted a Buccaneer win in my section of the pewter preview and predictions that came out the other day. However, um, I if I go back to my SRS Fab Five, where I actually did this season game-by-game -game predictions, I actually had the Buccaneers losing to the Bears. And I even wrote in that particular uh, segment that it would be Nick Foles, not Mitchell Trubisky, that beats the Buccaneers. And unfortunately, that happened. So sorry about that accurate prediction, Bucks fans. But I'm also sorry because I predicted the Buccaneers to lose to the Packers the next week. But the silver lining is after a 3-3 three and three start, the Bucs right the ship. And I think they stop beating themselves more often down the stretch, start beating the other teams. And they finish with a 10-6 and six record. So I don't think this is necessarily a crushing blow for the Buccaneers. It may hurt them in the NFC South uh, race when when the, the Saints and, and the Bucs compare records at the end of the season. And it might hurt the Buccaneers a little bit in terms of the NFC playoff standings. But I still think after a Packers loss um, on, um, what's the date? Uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. I, th I think they rebound from three and three and end up going 10 and six. I'm not panicking yet. Yeah, I'm not panicking either. I, in fact, I mean, offensively, I don't like. I feel the same way I felt every week. I think this team can put up 30 some points every week if they just stop dropping the ball and stop committing penalties. You know, even with some of the coaching things, I disagree with here and there. If I they're think given they're, seven days off too, John. If, yeah, if they <laughs> have to play a game in four days, right? right, right. I just think that this is a team with way too much talent. Get healthy offensively for this Packers game and stop shooting yourself in the foot. But again, at some point it does be, you know, it's like, okay, well, they're not going to stop shooting themselves in the foot. So they won't reach their potential. So I leave that door open, but at the same time, I know the off season and everything. I'm just, I'm just trying to give some grace there, but offensively, I think the only team that stops this team is themselves. Defensively. I'm more worried than I have been after the last two games. Still think it's a good defense, but I, it's not played like it for the last two weeks. And, you know, there were points the Bears left on the field. We think about the missed Allen Robinson on third down, the long pass. It should have been a touchdown to Darnell Mooney. I mean, they were, yeah, it was, it was not as clean a defensive performance as 20 points may look. And so I, I still am a little bit worried there. Not a bad defense for sure, but are they as good as they should be? They haven't played like it the last two weeks. So I'm a little bit more worried there. I still think this is a playoff team for sure. I'm not worried about that. Even if they lose to the Packers, I'll probably say that. But, Man, it's a big opportunity to go out and prove that you're a way better football team than you just look like on Thursday night against what a lot of people believe is the best team in the NFL right now in Green Bay. So get healthy for that game, man. I think Chris Godwin makes a huge difference for this football team. I think they need him on the field. I think people forgetting that, even though in the two games he's played and he's been great, um, I think he is a really good player, and they have not had him as much as they should this year, and I think that matters a lot. Uh, so get him healthy. Uh, get the rest of these get these receivers healthy, these skill guys healthy. I mean, Scott and Miller's out here barely playing. And then I think you can really – I think they can challenge the Packers in this game. It's just a matter of playing more clean than they have, and they have to put that together for four quarters at some point. In 2011, this Buccaneer football team – not this one, but that Buccaneer football team – started the season out 4-2. and two. They took a trip across the Atlantic Ocean to London – 
where they lost to a team called the Chicago Bears. They never won another game. <laughs> Jeez, Mark. You want big picture impact? I'm just going to say it. I'm kidding. That's <laughs> that's gloom and doom, Mark. Although Mark's anyway. bringing back on pace for a guy. Yeah, on the, the, right now somebody said Mike for. Evans is on pace for like 830 yards and 19 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. No, I, they're 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 not going to be the uh, 2011 Buccaneers, but um, but they've got some things to iron out. And as I said earlier, good great football teams beat the officials. Uh, beat poor coaching on their own side, beat penalties, beat drop passes, uh, poor game plans, all of those things, and they find a way to win. And they, they're just not a great football team yet. Um, I think we, we maybe thought they were. Uh, give them a little bit too much credit. But uh, just goes to show you in the NFL, you got to work for every single win, every single inch. You can't give up a single inch uh, because there's somebody out there trying to take your spot. And the Bears just wanted that game in the fourth quarter uh, more than the Buccaneers did. And um, – Again, we can sit here and say that, uh, you know, the Buccaneers beat themselves and penalties and how are they going to correct it? I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know that they can win. And it's something that I wrote twice, actually, this offseason about the offensive line would be the biggest key to the success of this football team. And then I even narrowed it down more to Donovan Smith in a a different article. And um, and, you know, I'm not one of those guys that likes to be right. I would love to be wrong and I would love to see Donovan Smith go out and have a Pro Bowl season. But right now he's on pace to have his worst season he's had in his career or his rookie season. So hopefully things get turned around. But again, if players 